Hallelujah. Thank you for that exhortation. Good to see you guys here this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I look forward to the day that, I don't know, we've got to do two services or we've got to go outside in the grass over here because it's so packed with people. Um, the Lord is moving. Uh, his heart is to save. His heart is to save people. And um, he can use angels. He can use, you know, whoever. But his choice is he uses people. And he's using us. He's using us to uh, bring a message of hope and encouragement, a message of light in the dark time. And that's what we carry because we have Christ within our hearts. He's using us. And I like that, you know, what Noah was saying, you know, about using the gifts and the talents that God has given to each one of us. You know, you, you, we think about ministry or we think about, uh, or Pastor Jay, you're a full-time minister. And this might sound cliche, but in reality, each one of us is a full-time minister. And I heard somebody talking about that, and I go, that really makes sense, man. I heard a, a, a case where this, a person got a, a, a real unique sickness, and they were thinking before of going full-time, quote-unquote, into the ministry, but instead they went into the medical field and were able to deal with this very specific issue and brought healing to this person through that. And what if that person says, well, I really can't serve the Lord in the discipline of the medical arena and went into the ministry instead, this, you know, gift and talent that God had given that person would it have been used to shine the light on gospel, on Christ. And I thought to myself, it says in the Bible, it says, whatever we do, do as unto the Lord. So we are making a difference in whatever we do, whatever we find to do, it says, do it with all your might. Because there's people, just like uh, Maui was saying, people are watching us. And they're going, Re you really a Christian? When we do, you know, we sang that song this morning, uh, be excellent. You know, to have that spirit of Daniel, to have that spirit of Joseph, to have an excellent spirit. You know, it's just with my um, sister-in-law, we went over there and she was uh, making a fish pond. And so we went over there and I gave her some advice on that. And she was, you know, uh, John knows him and Lawrence knows uh, her, Tanya. And we were talking about that. And I go, oh yeah, you know, you know Lawrence. He's known as Larry at work. And she goes, oh man, that guy is so, he's, he knows his business, man. He's, he's good, you know. And, and the reputation of us, our character. And I know that about John too. John, he's esteemed in his company. And I know that about us. If we represent the Lord, that should be our aim. That I aim to do my job so well. That it, it, it's head and shoulders above the rest. Because whatever we're doing, we're not doing it for the paycheck. We're doing it as unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's ministry. We are ministering because the opportunity will arise and the situation will arise for us to be able to speak on behalf of God and it'll have weight, it'll have credibility. Because when we speak, they said, wow, that person is a person of character. They're not flaky, they're not flighty. What they're saying must be true because I can have faith in their, in their character. And that's God's intention. And he's crafting us and he's doing it. And, and when we take those opportunities that we say, wow, I feel a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but you do it. And then God can entrust us. And then there's this, this, this sense of joy that comes upon you. When God uses you for a specific task that only you could do. You were positioned in that right place. And God uses you in that place. 
I see that with Mika all the time. Mika and Tammy, you know, they got a flow of people coming through, but they can just use it like, oh, it's a, it's a rental, and we just check in, check out, check out. They don't do that. They look at these people like, I'm a minister, and they have an international ministry that flows through peace of Maui. Amen? I mean, each one of us, we, when we open up our eyes, we see, whoa, what does God want to do through me? What is God doing in my life to make a difference for eternity, for kingdom? You know, I was talking to Pastor Tosh and Pastor Tyler this morning. And they were talking about Zeke. He was at the skate park. I like it. It just fits right into this message. And he was skating over there. And she says when she's putting on their pad, she's praying over them. Lord, keep them safe. Don't let them get hurt. But better than that, let them be used as a light when they're down there, when they're down at the skate park. And so he was over there skating with this young guy, about eight years old, same age as him. And he saw his opportunity. You know, sharing the Lord is like surfing. You got to look for that opportunity. You got to look for that wave, man, that swell. Okay, I see that swell. I'm positioned. And I start paddling, and then you'll drop in. So he's looking for that opportunity with this. And he says, the, the, the young man that he was, or the, the boy that he was uh, skating with says, what was the best uh, thing that you got from Santa Claus or for Christmas? And Zeke kind of laughed at himself. Well, I don't know about Santa Claus, but, you know, and he, was, and he goes, yeah. And uh, he says, well, he, you know, mentioned some things, but then he goes, do you believe in Jesus? Zeke asked him, do you believe in Jesus? He goes, well, I used to kind of believe in Jesus. But I don't know if I believe in Jesus anymore. And he says, you don't believe in Jesus? He goes, I don't know. And he says, I believe in Jesus. And I want to go to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven? And he goes, yeah. I guess I suppose I do want to go to heaven. It's better than going to hell. (laughs) You know, as simple as that is right there. That's what's at stake in reality. You ever watch Forrest Gump and he said that? I want to go to heaven, Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) I want to go to heaven. You know, we all want to go to heaven. We want to, what does it take? It takes somebody communicated the gospel to each one of us here. Somebody did. Somebody communicated the gospel to us. And And it had an effect. And it was scattering seed. And we don't know. It says one plants, one waters. But God is the one who gives the increase. We don't know if that seed took. We scatter seeds. Sometimes you see the effect. Other times you don't see the effect. But we need to be used that way. To scatter the seeds of the gospel. It's the most important message on the planet earth. You remember the story about the rich man. And the beggar. You know we went to Africa. I had an opportunity to preach there, and it was a you know it was a sizable crowd. I was really nervous. I'll, I'll be honest with you, and um, it's interesting to preach with an interpreter. So you got to speak in little sound bites, and then wait till they interpret. And so I'm like, I, the first time I ever did something like that, and I was like, okay. But while we were there, you know, it was like probably the third in line to minister on the third night or whatever, and the Lord put it in my heart. <laughs> As I was watching this crowd, there was a lot of excitement in the center of this thing. A lot of cheering and yeah, the victory of the Lord. And there was healings and there was deliverances. But because they set up in this town square, there was some people that probably weren't too interested in the gospel message. But this thing just invaded their, their living space, right? And so they're kind of, you know, in Africa, um, this is entertainment. You know, Whoa, what are the Christians going to do? So you got people kind of right next to this, this, uh, this uh, revival grounds. And they're kind of hanging out in their doorways. And they're just looking at this with curiosity. Huh? Like, well, what are these guys doing over here? And I was thinking to myself, probably a lot of these people are saved in this crowd already. 
But the Lord put it on my heart. I want you to preach to the ones who are in the darkness, on the outskirts and in the fringes. And the message that I had was not a happy, happy. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the message of the rich man and the beggar. And if you've ever read that story, it's in the Gospel of Luke. And it talks about Lazarus was a poor man who was laid at the gate of the rich man. And he wished that he could have the crumbs that fell from his table. But he had nothing. And the dogs would come up and lick his sores. The rich man, it says, fared sumptuously or richly every day. And it says, the rich man died and was taken down. And they both went to a place called Abraham's bosom or um, uh, Gehenna. One of them went to Gehenna, one to, went to... The, it says that the Lazarus was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. It says the rich man in his torment was looking across and there's a gulf fix between the two of them that you couldn't cross over. But he saw his Lazarus being comforted in the arms of Abraham. He's comforted there. And he, and he screams, he says, send Lazarus over here to dip his finger in the water and put a drop of water on my tongue because I'm in torment in these flames, in the heat, in the dryness of this area. And it goes across, well, you had all the good stuff in your life. You had it well in life. And he had it bad. Apparently, Lazarus was a person of faith because we're saved by faith. And then he says, um, he goes, well, if, if there's nothing I can do to change my lot in life right now, send, uh, send somebody to talk to my brothers. I have five brothers, and I want you to send this message to them. And he says, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they will not hear even if one would return from the dead. One did return from the dead. His name is Jesus Christ. And we have a message of resurrection. We have a message of eternal life. And this is, this is the one message. The one message. The gospel message is the difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. Depart from me. I never knew you. This is the defining message. The most important message. This guy was pleading. Please send somebody to talk to my brothers about this. We have that opportunity ourselves to share this message, to share a drink of cold water to somebody who's starving. He's like, I'm, I'm so thirsty. I need an answer for life. And just like what was said earlier, you know, this COVID just highlighted things that were always there, but it highlighted it right now. What are we doing here? Where is this all going? What is life about? What's going to last? What's important? All these questions came to the forefront because of the restrictions, because of the laws, because of this, you know, the, all the deception and the things that went on here. And God is able to turn this evil for good. And if people are in a, in a place right now where they're questioning, what is this about? Where's this going? What's going to happen? And he's positioned us as believers, as light of this world, as, uh, you know, we are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. He's positioned us at this place right now. We have a message. If Christ has done a work in your heart, everyone here has a testimony, a life-saving testimony for those who've never heard this message before. Amen? I mean, it's powerful. And, and to see that when you share that word and it has an impact on somebody, I tell you what, man, that's where joy comes from, right there. Joy wells up within you and says, man, I am a carrier of the Holy Spirit's life in my body. I have this treasure in an earthen vessel. I have the ability to ignite another flame. It's like you're holding a candle and you go, do you want some of this? And you can, boom, and you can light it. And all of a sudden this little flicker starts up in there. It's like, whoa. 
And you can be responsible for that. That changes the destiny of a person for eternity. To take somebody off the road of perdition or destruction onto the path of the eternal life. Somebody did it for you. Somebody did it for me when we think back on it. You know, it might have been over and over. It might be we share it one time, never really did anything. It might be three, four. I've heard it, you know, a lot of times said that maybe it's three or four presentations of the gospel. Then I'll find it catches. It catches. It's, it calls it like scattering seed. We know the parable of the sower and how, you know, at first falls on the wayside. Ah, didn't really do anything. Falls amongst shallow soil, sprouts up quickly. Once the heat of the day comes in and persecution or whatever, whom the thing just dies off. Falls amongst the cares of the world, amongst the riches and the deceitfulness of those things. It doesn't bear any fruit, but the last one fell on good soil and it produced a crop. He produced a harvest. God wants to use each one of us in that manner. He wants to use us as workers in his field, laborers in his field. That we have a message. You know, as simple as Ezekiel uh, telling him, do you want to go to heaven? You know, and it catches his attention and make him think, what's the alternative? Not good. You know, we're living in a really weird time right now. Can anybody give me an amen on that? Yes. You know, we're just talking about it like our country went from... I mean, America was never perfect, let's face it. But um, we went from a place of respect in, in a sense. I mean, how, how often do you ever hear of anybody uh, trying to cross a border to get into China or Russia? Right? So at least our country was something that people would esteem to, wow, I'd like to go there. I'd like, man, my dream is I would like to be a part of America. You know, and I believe that anything that we have good in this country emanated from this word. From the esteeming of God's word. That the righteousness that is of... It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We have liberty. We have the ability. You can come into this country at one time and, you know, with nothing and make yourself into something with hard work. You apply yourself. That's just one aspect of this. But religious liberty, you know, all these things. And we see this just... It's like we're on this crash course down and people are almost laughing at us now as a nation because of the direction that we've spun off to. I'm sure you guys heard the situation with Disney and I was like, Disney! And you know, the things that they want to treat, they want to teach these young and, and, and uphold these things. It's like, ah. And you know, just like Pastor Tyler was saying, you know, you wonder, when is this going to turn? When is this going to change? You know, you're just, it's disgusting. Let me read this. This is in the book of Habakkuk. It's one of the minor prophets. Um, if you look into your Bible after the book of Daniel, and then just go through several of the uh, Jonah and some of these, uh, Nahum and Habakkuk. I'm just going to read. Let me read the heading on this, because I think it's apropos to where we're at right now. It says, uh, Habakkuk. I'm just going gonna, gonna to read uh, a little bit from the start and then you know, go into it. So Habakkuk 1, just go there. It's a small book. You might have a hard time finding it. It's only three chapters. And let me just read the intro as you're looking for it. It says, Habakkuk ministers during the death throes of a nation of Judah. Although repeatedly called to repentance, the nation stubbornly refuses 
to change your sinful ways. Habakkuk, knowing the hard-heartedness of his countrymen, asked God, how long this intolerable condition can continue? God replies uh, that the Babylonians will be his chastening rod upon the nation, an announcement that sends the prophet to his knees. He acknowledges that just in any generation shall live by faith. 2-4. Not by sight, Habakkuk concludes praising uh, praising God's wisdom, even though he does not fully understand God's ways. Habakkuk is an unusual Hebrew name delivered from the verb habak to embrace. Uh, thus, his name probably means one who embraces or clings. At the end of this book, the name becomes appropriate because Habakkuk chooses to cling firmly to God regardless of what happens to his nation. The Greek title of the Septuagint so goes on and just talks a little bit more. But doesn't that sound appropriate for this day and age? That we're looking at the things in this world. You know, people are asking questions. What are we to do? What, kind of, what are we to do right now? Should I, um, you know, sell my house? Should I take this money? Should I buy cryptocurrency? Should I buy gold? Should I do this and that and that? And... All those things are viable options. All those things are interesting. But yet the main thing is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because it may look scary. It might look scary out there. It might look uncertain. But the reality of it is when we are fully invested in the things of God's kingdom, that's the safest place you can be. Amen? It says here... Uh, chapter 1, it says, The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, the prophet's question, O Lord, how long shall I cry it, and you not, will not hear, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save, that you do show me iniquity, and cause me to see trouble, for plundering and violence and befo are before me, and the strife and contention arises, therefore the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous, therefore the perverse judgment proceeds. So he's assessing the, the situation, and it goes on to their own belabor the point. But it says, you know, it talks about how the Chaldeans or these, this uh, wicked army comes in, and they're going to conquer them, and then they're going to give, they're going to ascribe to their God, they're going to burn incest to their nets, because they said, man, look at our, our haul on this. Look at how sumptuous, how fat it is. And they're going to burn incest. And he's just like, man, this is just driving me nuts. We know who you are, God. We know our failings. We know our sins. How long are we going to have to tolerate this situation, Right? And then he goes on in uh, chapter 2. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. It kind of reminds me of the book of Job. You remember Job? He was lamenting his situation. And then finally God shows up and he just kind of, you know, hits him with his, uh, with his glory. And he says, where were you, Job, when I created the whole world? You know, and just kind of got his alignment in there. And so he's kind of prepared for that. I'm asking this question, but I might be out of line by asking this. And this is what the answer was. I will stand my way. It says in verse 2, it's then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
You know, when we have a tendency to go through things and it's tough and there's trials, we might cop an attitude. But the reality of it is we should fall to our knees. We should say, okay, Lord, I don't understand fully what's going on here, but you know what? I honor you anyway. I honor you and I worship you despite the things that I'm seeing in the natural. Because he's a supernatural God and he's able to do supernatural things. And just like we said, have you ever seen the righteous forsaken or their offspring begging for bread? The word of God says no. So that is promises. Those are the things. It says, you know, in in, uh, Matthew, if we'll go to the gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, talking about priority. First priority. What is our first priority? You guys put the Lord first because you're here on the first day of the week to hear from the Lord, to worship the Lord, to give testimony to the Lord, to give of your substance to the Lord, to test Him. It says, test me now at this, that I wouldn't open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that wouldn't be contained, that if we tested Him, that He will be found faithful. We've heard testimony after testimony of people giving, and especially people giving in their want, I mean, their need. I need this money. Right? That there's more month than there is income. I need this. But God can come in and do a miraculous thing when we take him at his word. Amen? It says here, let me, it's Matthew 6. Let me uh, read from verse 19. It says, Do not leave for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are we treasuring godly things? Are we treasuring things that are eternal? Are we treasuring and esteeming things that are transcendent of this life? You know, I'm hearing rumors about the fact that America has had the responsibility and the privilege of being the world's reserve currency. And I'm sure anybody who's paying attention in the news is here what's going on. That if they ever pull the plug on that, and it looks like they're doing, and there's talking about a great reset, where all of a sudden we go into some kind of electronic transfer, and who knows what it is. It's basically the new world order is coming. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to have faith in God because God has brought us this far and he's not going to leave us right now. That's where our eyes have to be fully fixed upon the Lord right now. It has to be, I'm, I'm in it, man. I'm in it. I'm committed. It's always been this way. It's just more obvious now in my opinion. Amen? It says the lamp of the body is the eye and therefore the eye is good. The whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light in you that is darkness, great, great is that darkness. So the light is the word of God, the truth of the scriptures. Excuse me. This is how we learn to walk in a dark time. You know, I heard people saying um, that I've never read my Bible more in this time. I've never prayed more in this time. You know, when we go through hardship, it causes us to kind of focus in on what's eternal, what's important. It says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either either will hate one and love the other, or else will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was a, a pagan god of wealth. You cannot serve God and be self-sufficient. It's like, oh, I got enough money. I'm good. I'm taking care of myself. No. It says, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, 
What you will drink about your body, what you'll put on, um, is not life more than the food of your, and, uh, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying could add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about the clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow, they neither toil nor spin. And I say, not even one of Solomon in all his glory was not as arrayed as one of these. My wife just planted those bulbs and they're amazing, man. They came up, they're so beautiful. You know, she, some of them are real purple. Like, it looked like um, uh, Minnesota Vikings colors. You know, it was a purple with the yellow in there with white. Just a real combination. They probably got their uniform from that. I don't know. But it was beautiful. But they only come up for a short time. They're only there for a couple weeks or even a you know, week and a half. And boom, and they, and they just kind of wither and go away. God is so into the details that he says if, if he knows the number of hair on our head you know that's not hyperbole when God says something he means it I know how many hair you have on your head do you know how complex the double helix DNA is I don't but I've heard it's very common. It's, it's like volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of information that makes Maui Maui that makes me me you know, it's just so unique that it basically cut the legs out of anybody who believes in evolution. Because they go, this couldn't have evolved. This was created. This was designed. And God says, I know the number of hairs on your head. I know where you sleep at night. I hear you when you pray. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You ever been to a desperate situation? It's like, this is it. It's over. <laughs> it's over what did I do wrong man I'm painted in call upon the name of the Lord in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me amen he's a God of his word he says he places his word above my word is above my name it's like, you know, you go, you go to a company and they have their slogan there. And that's our name. That's our slogan. God says, I perform my word. If he's the, the, the throne room of God and over his head says, I watch over my word to come, make it come to pass. Wow. You know, you, we buy a new car and the salesman's, you know, the car is this, not this. Could you put that in writing? Would you put that contract in writing? Well, I I got to talk to the manager, you know. <laughs> this is right. Heather went into the service. Man, they promised me this and this and this, and then when I got into it, it really wasn't what I expected. You know, you hear that story over and over from people who talk to the recruiter and what they actually get in the service. Unfortunately, right? Can you put that in writing? He put it in writing. He put it in writing. He says, "Lord, this is what your word says." His eyes scan to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The problem is when we get into the heat of this, the flesh wants to grumble. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is different from that time. Now I got the right to grumble. Don't grumble. <laughs> Don't grumble. Just say, Lord, I've seen you do this before. I'm trusting that you didn't bring me this far to leave me. 
that I'm going to trust you through this. You're going to trust you through, even though the reserve currency turns into the ruble or the yuan or who knows or some crypto. Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you because you are my sustainer. Amen? That's where we have to be. We have to be at this place. God is challenging all of us to be at this place. It goes on, verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. That this is like a... You know, you're hearing a lot, I'm hearing a lot about this right now. That people are, you know, smarter than me. These scientists, they go, man, it looks like this world is like a simulation. It's like a computer game. And we're in this. But there's something that's more real on the other side of this. And in fact, they're confirming what the Bible says. That the things that are made are made up of things that cannot be seen. But the things that are eternal, the things that cannot be seen are eternal. They're confirming the word of God. They finally caught up to the truth of the Bible. These scientists, right? The eternal thing is the kingdom of God. Seek ye first, first priority, his kingdom and his righteousness. We know who we are. We know our capabilities. We know the past track record. But when we baptize somebody, we say, you have been baptized into the righteousness of Christ. It's no longer you who lived. That man died and the new man came out. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is the reality that we got to get sink into our head because when we do stupid, the devil comes out, oh, you call yourself a Christian? We should come back and say, yes, I am a Christian because of what Jesus did. Because he paid the cost. And that has that reality when we choose that, that uh, washing of our normal thinking. We wash it with the word of God. It has the ability to cancel out the assaults of the devil. I don't know how it works, but I just know for my own self that it works. And that's why when I baptize, I really try to get that in. Romans 6, it says, I've been baptized into Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. If God justifies, God who's justified me because of what Jesus is, who is he who says, you're not justified? The devil will try, but if we take his word over the voices in our head, it says, no, God says I'm justified. God says I'm justified. God says that I don't have to listen to these lies. I don't have to make the stupid mistakes over here because Christ paid for it and he empowered me to give me the victory now. Amen. Amen? That's the right application of grace. That we can just, we can say, Lord. And, and when we submit to Him at that level, we humble ourselves. And admit it to God. I get Him, God. I get Him. I get Him. And then you screw up. Oh, no, I, I guess, guess I didn't have it, you know. <laughs> right? And we come to Him and says, Lord, I need your help, man. I'm tired of screwing this up this way over and over and over. And He says, I was waiting for you to admit that fact and you to trust me because I've done it already and I can confer this information, this victory upon you so that you won't have to do that anymore. And these things kind of fall away. And it wasn't even... It's like, like it says, I'm looking for fruit. And how hard does an orange tree have to strain to produce a fruit? 
It just happens. When we abide with Him, when we take Him at His word, when we say, this is what your word says, even though my feelings don't feel this, Lord, I'm going to identify with your word. Seems to be popular in the society right now. I identify as a woman. That, that's part of this. It's undermining this sort of truth, established truth. That's what's happening. I'm kicking out all the props. I don't want anything that says it's absolute. This word is absolute. That's what's under attack. That's why this nonsense, you look at, what are they doing? This is crazy. Women, I mean, men swimming in a woman's race and beating the women. And it's like, oh, I feel good about that because I identify as a woman. What kind of nonsense is this, man? We're going into madness. But this never changes. The Word of God never changes. It's established. It's foundational. We can take it to the bank. Amen? Amen. Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. Faith. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. How do we gain faith? We can all say we believe in Jesus. I heard somebody say this. I go, oh, that's good. You ask any American, you believe in Jesus or you know about Jesus? Oh yeah, I know John. I'm an American. Come on. I know about Jesus. You might know about Jesus, but do you know Jesus? There's a big difference. The person says, you are a historian if you just know about Jesus. But does Jesus know you? Do we have an intimate relationship with one another? Then you got something going on. Amen? Because we, we have a relationship and maybe we go through something and man, I don't understand this Lord but your word says and I trust you and you brought me through this many times I know your character I know who you are and he'll carry us through yes, Lord. this is the exhortation we need right now because there's going to be a lot of foundations being shaken but we don't have to be shaken it says everything that can be shaken will be shaken to only those things that cannot be shaken will remain the rock Jesus Christ is our rock our rock is not like their rock our rock is solid it's firm it transcends this life it's resurrection power that's been in place in each one of us here that's who we are in Christ not only that but he's given us this message to share with other people. Amen. That as things crumble around us, we can say, do you know Jesus? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to have part in this eternal kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. The rest is just salad dressing, man. It's like, man, sometimes me speaking first, we get it out of priority. It's crazy. Look what's going on. Oh my God. Does God know what I deal with this? He told us it was going to look like this. He told us what to do about it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. The appropriation of that robe of righteousness. Now we can get into that one, man. That's a, that's a big one. The robe is covering us in the robe of white linen. It says when Jesus showed up, it says that linen was more white than the whitest launderer could, could wash these things. It was gleaming. It's like, whoa. And he goes, you are my bride. You are my, a nation of kings and priests. And I've clothed you in my righteousness. I've said this before. 
When I got married, I had a nice tuxedo, a white tuxedo with tails. And I ain't going to go out and do yard work with that on. You know what I mean? I'm robed in righteousness. Man, look at me. I'm robed in Christ. I ain't going to go grapple in the pig pen with the devil when I understand who I am in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's who we are in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. Robed in righteousness. Accepted by God because of the beloved Jesus Christ. It's free, but it wasn't cheap. Cost the blood of Jesus to purchase us. It says he looked down the line. I, I was watching a video since we're in this couple more weeks to Resurrection Sunday. And I was looking at what a crucifixion was. It was brutal, man. It was brutal. And Jesus says, he looked at that and he says, I despise the shame of hanging up there an accused innocent man Part, probably most likely very close to naked, beaten, my back laid open, nailed to a cross, the most painful death possible. But I said, I look, Jesus said, I look past that to the joy that was set before me. The gathering of the saints, the gathering of the church, the gathering of souls that were damned and on their way to hell. I opened up that. I have, I have the keys of hell and death. Stripped them from the devil and says, we're having a prison break today. We're out of here. And that's what he did. Hallelujah. Let's pray.